So hi, this is Mike Edelhart. I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of companies, new ideas, new business models, new uh, solutions from science, and uh, sometimes even a little glimpse of the future and maybe bits and pieces, all that here today. I'm with Maya Hardigan from May and uh, great to see you. Great to have a chance to talk. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So let's start by explaining what it is your company does, because it's a little different than the kind of thing that many of our companies do where folks have, you know, whizzy uh, gizmos or uh, some sort of deep science solution. So what is it you do and why are you doing it? Sure, sure. So I'm the founder and CEO of a new company called May. May is a new digital health platform specifically built around the needs of Black expectant mothers and with the goal of reducing health disparities, maternal health disparities for Black expectant mothers. And we're doing that in a few ways. One is that we are operating as a culturally competent and culturally specific marketplace for supplemental maternal health practitioners who are known to drive the right types of maternal health outcomes for women and for Black women specifically. So initially that is a doula marketplace. We are also including in this early platform lactation consultants. We will soon extend it to include other functions and scopes of support, including social support counselors, mental health counselors, et cetera. Beyond our expert marketplace, we are also serving as a digital health navigation platform and health tracking platform for Black expectant mothers, whereby we are um, engaging weekly with our users to really suss out some of the drivers of poor outcomes at a point where interventions can still matter, right? So exploring where our users are deviating from their physical baseline, their emotional baseline, where they may have barriers to uh, social and structural support that may be preventing them from really engaging in that core obstetrics care that we all desperately need to have safe and promising pregnancies. And finally, we are serving as a resource for culturally specific information, education, peer stories, and support, really to build a community for Black expectant mothers in a safe space for us in our pregnancies. Got it. Thanks. So there was a whole bunch packed into there, and I'd like to unpack it a little bit. So you started out by talking about culturally appropriate care. What is culturally appropriate care? I mean, you know, I've done some books with doctors in the past, and they're not trained to be culturally anything. They're trained to look at human beings as bags of symptoms and stuff. So uh, what does that mean? And how do you identify culturally appropriate care? Yeah, so what we mean when we talk about cultural competency or cultural specificity in care is that the whole of the person is being respected in their care. And there is a recognition for cultural differences and a respect for those cultural differences in the way that care is provided. And this is something that has been deeply missing for for Black women, right? We know that there is pervasive bias in our care. We know that there have been many, many established examples of medical racism in our care, right? And so ensuring that there are advocates and care partners who are involved in the pregnancy and postpartum experiences of Black women is one key lever that is really believed to uh, have the potential to move the needle on the disparity in outcomes we are experiencing. And we may have folks listening who might not be aware of the real statistical problem that Black women have with pregnancies in general, because all the tests and the gold standards and everything that's referred to 
was done in the past, sometimes decades in the past, where the populations being looked at were basically white. So if you're not them, the results for you, which may well differ from that norm, they're just not accurate. Really what you're describing, Mike, it starts there, right? It starts with deep underrepresentation in clinical research for everything healthcare related that really permeates ultimately how we're treated and how, how drugs and how treatment pathways work in different individuals, right? And so there's a deep realization for that now. And I think a lot of uh, work that's going into diversifying how we study medicine, but you know, that that has really created the the situation that we're in today. Yep. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about your background, but I don't want to lose where we started. And I imagine folks have this question in the back of their minds, which is why black mothers? Why not Hispanic mothers? Why not tall mothers? Why not any mother? Uh, Shouldn't this be brought forward for everybody? So why are you focusing where you're focusing? I am a mother. I have three small children and it is my, my sincere hope that every woman, that every expected mother in the world would have the resources that they needed to have successful pregnancies and to have the possibility of the best start for their new child, right? And so that is my sincere hope. I think that the reality of where we are operating, particularly in the U.S., but I think that this is a phenomenon that we really see across the world, is that our house is on fire, right? Black women are the primary demographic driving the deeply disparate and poor maternal health statistics that we have in the U.S., right? And so if you are not fixing maternal health for Black women, ultimately you're not fixing maternal health in this country, right? And so I don't view this as something that is intended to be exclusionary, but rather focusing on the highest point of need in this moment, and that is Black women. I mean, you look at your resume and you've got your basic power woman resume, right? You've had big jobs inside great big pharma companies, and you you look at your background, and and at least my take was this woman has it knocked, right? She's great at what she does. She's at the top. So I'm curious, one, how'd you get to the top? And also, why'd you decide to leave the top since you had what all kinds of folks are fighting to get? It's a really great question. So I did, I started my career in healthcare about 16 years ago. I did a handful of years in healthcare management consulting directly out of business school, and I went from management consulting into large pharma. Uh, moved my way up in large pharma over the course of over a decade. I really loved digital health. I saw the potential of technology to meet people wherever they were. There are some challenges of doing work and doing work that truly has the potential to be innovative and game-changing from within a large and highly regulated industry and entity. Right. And and I think that that is just the nature of the beast. Right. So I worked in large pharma for a long time. What was happening for me in parallel during that time, I was on the board of a maternal health nonprofit called Kengu, which was essentially a crowdfunding platform for the funding of safe birth services for women who didn't otherwise have access. And I think for me, that was a very eye opening professional experience because it helped me to see how impactful small interventions could be. So I got to a place in my career where I was really wanting to to be the change in a more meaningful way. And I think that really drove me to start thinking about how I could better apply the skill set that I'd built over those 16 years to something that meant a lot to me. And I decided to put my efforts there. And, you know, one other thing that I'll say is that I started really ideating around May in the summer of 2020. And I think at that time we were all in a particular 
frame of mind, right, with the killing of George Floyd and a lot of public discourse around um, equity in society, generally speaking, right? And I, I think that I had a moment for myself personally where I said I need to be doing more. Got it. So let's talk some about the company. We felt that you had some terrific ideas for how to actually build value around this. So let's talk about that some. So Black sure. mothers are getting the services, but who's paying for it and why? Yeah, yeah. So I, this was a really, really big question for me when I started ideating around May, right? I felt so strongly that building an out-of-pocket solution for Black women where there's there's an acknowledgement, right, that Black Americans have not had access to robust and comprehensive healthcare in part over decades and generationally because of financial barriers. That didn't make sense to me, right? Building a solution for out-of-pocket pay wasn't something that seemed feasible or on path to getting me to the women that I ha I'm building this to support. And so, uh, what I would say is beneficial, I think, from my background in particular, is that I have spent a very long time in my career navigating the B2B space and navigating large healthcare entities. And so we have really been laser focused on building a solution that could be on path to reimbursement with corporate insurers, inclusive of Medicaid plans. Medicaid does fund over 40% of births in the U.S. and 65% of births to Black women in the U.S., right? So in my mind, at the point that I was starting this company, it wasn't going to be viable to not be there. And so in order to be in Medicaid, what does that mean, right? Because it's easier said than done, as we all know. Right. And I, I think that um, it, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky to navigate. You have to think about short budget cycles. You have to think about establishment of clinical evidence and validation that can support the hypothesis that you're pushing in the market and can justify what it is you want to charge, right? So there, there is really no going to a payer uh, without saying, here's how we impact your member experience. Here's how we impact your clinical outcomes, your clinical cost of care, your HEDIS reporting, all of these sorts of things. And having a real lock tight understanding of how you're doing that and then building the evidence to support the claims you're making around that in your first year, I think are really mission critical to our business. And so we have just very recently launched our first year is really about generating and establishing that body of clinical evidence for sake of getting us to um, payers and getting us to Medicaid specifically. And we, we are very, very laser focused okay. on. Yep. So the business model here is the service goes where it's needed mm -hmm. and the money comes from where it's present, which is in the payers. And the exactly. way you're going to do that is essentially making the statistical case to the payers that if these women have better outcomes. If these women get access to better care, your costs are going to go down. Your claims are going to go down. Your patient population is going to be healthier. This is all good for you. And we may, we are the mechanism to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And we have done a lot of work to understand influenceable maternal health outcomes what specific interventions drove those outcomes and how to build those things into our product, right? So things like one-to-one -one intrapartum support and its potential to reduce non-medically necessary C-sections or its potential to reduce preterm births, things like, you know, weekly health tracking, symptom education, symptom awareness to better manage potential complications and address them before they turn into costly medical problems for the member, for the mom. Those are the sorts of things that we've really fixated on in our product. And we have 
built our product specifically around evidence-based claims for best-in-class perinatal care. We've all seen during the Olympics the kind of reaction that strong Black women can get under any circumstances and just during the recent tennis tournament and in lots of circumstances. So I can imagine, even though I think we have a really terrific group of people who listen to these and watch these podcasts, that there is at least one bozo out there who will, coming out of this, hearing what you have to say, will write you or in some other way present you with what's an entirely inappropriate and negative take on you. And, and so I wonder if you do get that kind of incoming, as I've heard about other Black female leaders. And if so, how the heck do you handle it? I mean, my job's tough, but I'm an old white guy, so nobody's coming after me, not in that way. I would say I've gotten a little bit of it already, right? And my response to that is just to not let anyone distract me from my goal here. I think we have potential to change lives. And if I were to let internet chatter distract me or online trolls distract me, I would be doing a detriment to this business and to the women that I am hoping to serve. Makes perfect sense. So a year from now, if things go as you hope they go, what's May like and what do you like? Well, hopefully, you know, with all of the professional experience I have, I have never been a CEO. This is a learning curve for me, right? So I'll acknowledge that. And so I hope in one year that I will have um, settled a little bit more into this role. For May, I want to be making an impact, right? So one year from now, I want to have payer contracts. I want to have brand awareness in the market. I want to be a go-to for Black expectant mothers, and I want to be I want to be delivering against all of it. Sounds great. We could probably go on for a long time, but maybe it's best to leave it there and then pledge to come back in a year and, and see great. how it's uh, see how it's going. We're impressed by you and we're fascinated by the approach you're taking to direct the dollars and direct the care where uh, it could and should have the biggest impact. We expect it to work. We hope it works and we hope it works big. And uh, we're looking forward to do our little part to help you get there. Very happy to have you all as partners and I look forward to it as well. Thank you, Mike.